Hey, where's your outlet? So I could plug you on on this week's episode of Smiley Said It. Today's date is December the 11th, 2020. And it is Friday. It's Friday night. Today's episode, I'm actually talking about celebrity news, which is, you know, a good thing because I'm now back on Instagram and I'm now able to like see what's going on with celebrity news. We're going to be talking about a few other people that, you know, pretty much got on my last nerve. They really got on my last nerve in regards of just some typical messy shit. <laughs> I was trying to avoid swearing, but you guys know, you know, it's not so hard to not swear when you're passionate about topics that pertains directly to you or your culture. So we're going to dive right into it and you guys will know exactly who I'm talking about when um, I get into it. Let's start the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Thank you for coming back to the show for another week. And I am just happy. (laughs) That's it. I'm happy. You know, I'm blessed and I can't complain. I really can't. Let's dive right on in. So I just wanted to open up the show with a song. So this Saturday, um, Ashanti and Keisha Cole are battling on verses. Um, on Saturday. And I just wanted to let y'all know that I love Keisha Cole and I love Ashanti. They both have really good catalogs. And I, I really don't, you know, feel any type of way about Keisha Cole compared to a lot of other people. They put Keisha Cole in the same category as Carrie Hilson, which to me doesn't make sense because Carrie Hilson actually writes so does Ashanti. So I don't know who thought that Keisha Cole and Ashanti were two people that you can put in a versus battle because Ashanti can write her ass off and she still got it. I've seen her a few years ago at, um, what was it? So Aquarius in LA when her and Ja Rule got on stage and they were performing their hits and shit like that when she was, you know, signed with Murder, Inc., and she really performed really good. I was shocked. I was like, wow, like she can actually perform. So I don't understand why they put them together. But all I know is that, like I said in my Instagram story, that if um, Ashanti plays in these streets and don't let them and don't leave me alone, if she brings out those three songs, Keisha Cole better wrap it up, hang it up, flat screen. And my Nicki Minaj voice. I'm just in a mood to sing um, Take Me Tonight by Shanti and Lloyd off of her Concrete Rose album that came out in 2004, which is my favorite album by Shanti. I don't even know if I sung on the episode before the last episode, but anyways, let's get back to me singing these random intros for y'all because I do miss it. I'm back in the mood. I wasn't so much, you know, the past couple episodes, but here I am. Here we go. Why don't you take me tonight? Take me away wherever you like. Yeah. 
Well, you got everything that I need. And I couldn't ask for more. And everything on me is all yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make me smile like I never smiled before. And I adore you. Want a little more of you. Do anything. I'll go anywhere. As long as I can hold you. Yeah, let's go. Take me to now. Yeah. Wherever you like. Cause I only want you and my baby. No place I'd rather be. All I want. All right, so that's that. I love that song, and I cannot wait until Saturday. And I hope that Shanti sings, you know, a few songs off of her Concrete Rose album because it really is amazing. So we're gonna jump into celebrity news. So we're gonna talk about Janae, Jada Pinkett Smith, and we're gonna talk about Ebro. These three people, particularly, have struck a nerve. <laughs> Big time to the point where I have to talk about it. So let's start with Janae. And we're going to talk about Janae because I guess she's now realizing that she is not black. She is multiracial. She's not black. She has black in her, but she's not black. And I've I've always felt some type of way whenever she would say the word nigga. You know, like a lot of these uh, racially ambiguous people that are artists like Bruno Mars and Cardi B's and all of them, people that you know are not black that don't know a lot about black culture in regards of a household setting, but more so about what their friends are doing around them and what they see in the news and what they see on entertainment media and stuff like that. So I know when someone is replicating black culture because they are not what you would call someone to be necessarily white. They they have something in them where you're kind of like, I don't know what they are, but they got a little flavor in them. So we're just going to allow them to just, you know, capitalize off of black culture, popularize themselves in a category that most black people tend to go towards to, which is R&B and soul and rap. Let's start with Janae, who, I don't know, found out not that long ago that she was not necessarily black. And she just decided to come out and tell people like, hey, I'm not fully black, but, you know, I'm not white either. Neither am I Asian. So what exactly did this girl say? When it comes to her racial identity, on Twitter, about three days ago, she said, I am less black than someone half black, but also less white than someone that is half white. And Asian is the least thing that I am. So at this point, it's whatever they want me to be. That's what struck me the most when she said, it's whatever they want me to be. Who's they, right? Like, who is they? Who is, are you talking about the, you know, the music record labels? Are you talking about entertainment period? Because, you know, you have privilege and that regards of lighter skin are protected the most. Are you acknowledging that you have privilege in the arena of black culture and that you are a chameleon whenever it's convenient? And are you saying that, you know, they, meaning the black audience, because you have, you have black people that will defend people of color, no matter what, you know, their upbringing is like, as long as they are not what we perceive to be white. I feel like when she came out and she said that, it was like, okay, 
you you're now saying you're no longer going to say the word nigga in your lyrics and that's giving me very much of Kalani because Kalani she she said the same shit she was like I'm no longer going to say nigga because clearly people don't have an understanding of my racial identity and in my opinion I don't think she does either for herself I do like Kalani's music don't get me wrong I do but when she came up with that song called Niggas, literally, that is the name of the song itself. It's called Niggas. To all these niggas, na, 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 Niggas gon' always be niggas. Can't afford to get my heart to these niggas. Ain't got time to lose my mind to these niggas. You know, that, that was like, okay, it was a good song, it was cute. But now that you look back, you're like, wait a minute, hold up. She really isn't black though. And I'm not faulting people for like taking in everyone because black folks, particularly black Americans, we love to embrace everybody. But yet we get the shitty end of the stick when it comes to it being, you know, returned in our favor to be allies and shit like that. You already know how I feel about this shit. You already know how I feel about allyship. You already know how I feel about not just people of color, not just non-white people of color, not even just white people, but just even also foreigners that come to America, their perception of what they believe to be black American culture and what they believe to be something that is a grab all. If people understood the fact that black American culture should be protected by all means and that you have to go through us for us to fucking support you, then nothing's gonna change. If people keep thinking like, oh, I'm mixed with Asian, Black this, a little bit of Hispanic over here, a little bit of that. I'm, I'm talking about, you you know, the Cubans as well, Sabrina Claudio from Miami, the people that have all these Black supporters, mainly their supporters are Black, right? They're going to do whatever the fuck they want to do because we allow it to happen. Doja Cat is a great example of that. I keep telling people Doja Cat is half white and half South African. Okay. She's not black American. Even if she was biracial, she's still not half white and half black American. Same thing with Barack Obama. He is not black American. He is half white and half Kenyan American period. So we have to actually start fucking looking at this shit because now people are coming out, different artists and actors such as Janae, such as Kalani are now being forced in their opinion to come out and say exactly who the fuck they are in their identity because you got more black folks that are becoming more alert and aware of their lineage. Who are you and why are you here? And why are you capitalizing off of my culture and my identity? Why are you here? And why are you so popular? We want to know because I'm going to keep bringing up Azalea Banks and I'm going to keep talking about how she has been cast aside, blackballed, in entertainment because she's vocal or she's too much or she's too loud is bullshit. It's bullshit. The reason why nobody fucks with Zoe Banks is because she's a darker skinned black woman that is just as toxic as any one of y'all favorites that are on the lighter skin complexion spectrum. And she says whatever the fuck she thinks is right. And I'm one, I'm right there with her. The only difference is I'm more tolerated than Azealia Banks is because I'm on the lighter skin complexion spectrum, but I'm completely 100% black, period. I'm ADOS. I'm American descendant of slavery. And that is the black ass bottom line. Now back to Janae. I don't know why 
we keep going through this. We keep going through the fact that you're going to have these artists and actors or entertainers, period, or socialites, whatever you want to call them, that will come out and say, you know what? It's all love. It's all peace. It's all energy. We're all the same. We're supposed to fight the white people. No, 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 no. Because you can adapt white supremacy ideology. You don't got to be white. You don't have to be 100% white or 75% white or 50% white to adapt those same views. You can be black and adapt white supremacy ideology. So I don't know where do we go when it comes to vetting and protecting our culture from other people that don't practice the same shit that we do in regards of our everyday lives. You get what I'm saying? And Janae has been problematic for a little while now, which is why I stopped supporting her after um, her trip album. That was the last, that was the last album I supported. And after that, I was like, I really don't give a fuck about Janae. The fact that she doesn't believe that, you know, mental health is something that needs a lot of focus on in the black community. She believes that you can just sleep it away and just pray it away and just get up and just manifest a different um, mindset to change up the chemical imbalance in your brain, right? Like she really believes that like you could just wake up and just snap your fingers and like mental health is just in your control. It's not what has to do with your chemical imbalance in your brain. It's something on you, which is bullshit. And that's not something you should put in the universe, especially on um, Twitter. She loves to delete a lot of shit. She, she's, she's a queen of deleting shit. By the way, um, Janae has uh, blocked me on Twitter when I was still on Twitter, before I was banned on Twitter. And I still, to this day, don't know why. <laughs> I never said anything bad about this girl. I never mentioned her on my Twitter account handle and was like, you're this, you're that. Never. Because I remember taking the Greyhound bus from Boston to New York to see her in concert just for fucking two hours and to get my ass back on the bus at Port Authority Station back to Boston in the middle of the fucking night just for this girl. And then for her to like block me on Twitter not that long afterwards over some bullshit, probably because I liked a comment that was talking mad shit about her in regards of like her tattooing Big Sean on her arm or her back, whatever the fuck she tattooed Big Sean on her body. It was dumb. It still is dumb. I don't give a fuck if she covered the shit up. She's back with the dude. And now it's like, okay, cool, whatever, cute for you. But at the same time, I just was like, I don't even know. I don't see the appeal anymore in Janae because Janae reminds me of Erica Badu. When it comes to this faux ass, high energy, hypertension, like I'm above the manifestation of toxicity and I'm going to manifest everything to the universe that pertains to me. I'm a selfish ass artist that likes to give off the gimmick and, and, you know, pretty much gain profits and also gain benefits of you guys, your viewership, your streams, your, your payouts. I'm going to just talk about energy. I'm going to be the the fake woke queen of my generation. And anyone that is in tune with their energy will look through both of those women, Erica Badu and Janae, and no bullshit when you see it. Erica Badu is, is, is bullshit to me. Erica Badu is not the fucking woke spiritual queen that people love to believe her as to be. She's not. She's not. And anyone with some real fucking sense can actually fucking... Pr- can contest to that. When it comes to Janae, 
Janae is the modern version of Erica Badu when it comes to spirituality and shit like that. But the thing about Janae is Janae is not a spiritual person as much as she likes to portray herself to be. Janae is a capitalist. Janae is someone that likes to take advantage of opportunities. Janae has said in an interview, I remember she said something in regards of, I don't know, when it came to just like, you know, manifestation or some shit like that, I just put words together and it just made sense. That's not someone that's in tune with their spirituality. That is not someone that's in tune. They don't just fucking make shit up. They feel it. They know that's that's just who they are. They don't need money to capitalize off of that shit. Has Janae done a free concert, a beneficial concert all over the all over the country? Has she what has she done for the black community? For us to be so far up her ass, her little ass. What have we what have she done? to make us feel like we have to protect this girl at all costs. I'm just saying. But we can't do that for Azalea Banks. Since Erica Badu is more into the soulful R&B music, but if it was a female rap artist that had as many rap artists as her baby daddy and as many kids by those men, they would not be appreciated as much as Erica Badu is. Let's keep it real, okay? No, I'm not taking away Erica Badu's talent as well, but she's very problematic in my eyes. Very problematic. I just don't like the lady. Sorry, not sorry. I don't like Erica Badu. And Janae, I don't have any, I don't, I don't care. I'm just saying, when it comes to Janae, we know that she's not black. We know that she's not a part of our culture. I'm speaking to my black people. She's not a part of our culture in America. She's not a part of our lineage. She has benefits. She has privilege. And she takes advantage of it because she knows how to. And nobody gives a fuck to stop her. So why the fuck should she stop? Right? Right? The fact that she came out to say this in 2020, as long as she's been out since 2002, when she came out with no L-O-V-E, in in Dog, the song Dog off of B2K Panamanian's um, album, their album back in 2002, please. The girl has been through the bitch for 18 years now and no one has fucking said anything. But the fact that she came out now to say, oh, I'm not fully black. That's why I'm never going to start saying nigga. And I'm dating a, I'm dating a black man, you know, so I can't, I can't just do that anymore because now the pressure's on me. And I just want to let you guys know that I am whoever the fuck you want me to be. No, 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 no. You're not whoever we want you to be. You are who you are. And you should embrace that, right? You're a multiracial person, a woman of color. Okay. And that's fine. Thank you for embracing that. Now, moving along, (laughs) It's just like, girl, like no one needs to be reminded, you know, that you're not one of us. We didn't need to, you know, you, you, you dipped your toe in a little bit of the black fishing pot, your little faux um, dreads and your little braids and, you know, your little Afro and you put the little Japanese sun on your back and all this type of things. You're very in tune with the melting pot identity. That is cool. But what we're not going to do is sit here and defend this lady of what she just came out and said. Because there's going to be black people that's still going to be like, she's black. No, the fuck she ain't. How? I don't have no one in my family that's black, that's an American descendant of slavery, that look like her. 
Even my ass, my light brown ass don't look like her. And I have slanted almond-shaped eyes and everything. You know I'm black, though, when you look at me, right? You don't look at me like, oh, she might be half white and half... No, you know I'm black. I'm just on the lighter end of the spectrum. But you, I can look at Janae and know that she's not 100% black. Know that she's not even 50% black. You could just tell. Because if you're a black American, you know when you're looking at a black American. You just do. No different than any other ethnicity or a black person in the black diaspora that looks at their own ethnicity or the lineage of people that know who the fuck they're looking at. Whenever I go to Africa, I'm pointing out immediately that I'm not African. I am American as they come. Whenever I go to Africa, they let me know immediately when I open my mouth up and everything that I don't look like them. And that is okay. I take no offense to it because I'm not them. I'm not African. I'm black American. I have my ancestors from, from slavery are in my blood. That is my lineage. And I have some white mixed in with me, just a small percentage because of what happened during slavery with slave masters. So we have certain features. We know who we are. I just wanted to point that out. It's not to say that I'm no longer going to play um, Janae's music, but what I'm saying is, am I going to pay to go to a concert of hers? No. I don't care anymore. I just don't. You just sometimes, you just fall out of love with artists, but you still appreciate their music to play it because it's good, but I don't care to like support Janae in that arena where I'm giving more than like a dollar <laughs> towards her name. Period. Because she has enough of support as it is. So she'll be fine without my black ass supporting her. That's okay. That's all right. I don't dislike the girl. I don't hate the girl. Well, all I'm saying is I don't care. Moving along, we're going to talk about Ebro's ass. Oh. I mean, Ebro. Ebro, my guy, you know. What are you doing? Hmm? What are you doing? What? Why are you always like, in the mix when it comes to black culture, since you work in black culture, but the fact that you are by bi he's biracial, y'all. Ebro's biracial. And if you don't know who Ebro is, he lives in New York. He has a radio station. And the radio station is Hot 97 Morning Show or Ebro in the Morning, alongside um, what's his name? Peter uh Rosenberg and Laura Styles. He was born in California. He's 45 years old. His mom is Jewish. She's white. And his dad is black. He, he says that his father was a part of the Black Panther Party, but you would never think that in a million years by the way that this motherfucker acts. Okay. So let's dive right into how he's trash. He's always been trash. I would compare him to Charlemagne the God, but the thing about Charlemagne the God is he know, Charlemagne the God knows that he's trash. Charlemagne the God knows that he doesn't have the intellect to engage in conversations that necessarily aligns with actual black scholars because black scholars constantly calls Charlemagne the God out when it comes to economics and politics. But Ebro on the other hand really believes that he's like someone that his words are a part of the Bible itself. Like he believes that he can do no wrong. He's never wrong. Charlamagne the God at least has admitted in the past that he's been wrong about certain shit, which I'll give him that. 
But Ebro is worse to me than Charlemagne the God because at least Charlemagne the God is Ados. He's American descent of slavery. Ebro, no, he's not. He went to Hebrew school. (laughs) Okay. That's no tea, no shade towards my fellow Jewish people, my Jewish supporters. Shout out to y'all. But what I'm saying is he has a particular spot in entertainment because we know the Jewish runs entertainment in regards of radio as well and music labels. So I can pr- I can actually say that shit with my chest because I have a degree in entertainment management. I told y'all. So anything I'm about to say now is not some shit that's new or anything that's a lie. Now Ebro, who's an American executive of, of the radio show, he came out on Twitter about a couple of days ago and he said the following. If you ate public school lunch Chinese food spot wings for $2. Explain how you are worried about the vaccine. Now, he's saying this to the black American community, most likely. Because when you talk about Chinese food spot wings for $2, you're talking about people, black people from the from up north. Boston, we have the same, you know, culture in regards of stopping at the, the Chinese spot for like, you know, you get like three wings for like $2 or some shit like that, or two wings for $2, right? We know what he's talking about. <laughs> we, we know. I don't know how the South is. I don't know how the Midwest is. And I don't know how the West Coast is when it comes to this language. But when we're talking about, you know, up North, I, we know what he's talking about. He's talking, he's talking about the poverty line. He's talking about economics, black economics, when it comes to, you know, systemic racism and how you have so many fast food restaurants around a black American neighborhood. You got KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Chinese food spots on every corner, Dunkin' Donuts, check cash in places, liquor stores, Popeye's chicken, all these greasy foods around black American neighborhoods that are in the working class, okay? So when people, specifically black Americans, are eating out, you know, out of these places, is because that's what we can afford. We can't afford to go to Whole Foods. We can't afford to, now that Whole Foods now accept food stamps, that... You can't use your food stamps at Whole Foods without leaving with a few groceries in your cart for a household of kids and a husband or a boyfriend or whatever who's living in your household and going to make ends meet by the end of the week. You're going to have to go to the farmer's market. You're going to have to go to save a lot. You're going to have to go to these these stores up north I'm talking about specifically. You're going to have to go to these stores where food is affordable in these supermarkets and you cannot go to Whole Foods and, and waste away your food stamps on produce because we know produce in, at, at Whole Foods is very expensive, whether it's organic or not. I've worked at Whole Foods twice, by the way. So I know what I'm talking about. We can say, oh, Whole Foods accept food stamps, so y'all should be good. No, 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 no. You got to look at the prices. You got to look at the prices. This fool really said, if you ate public school lunch, Chinese food spot wings for $2. Explain how you're worried about the vaccine. Do we not understand how black Americans specifically have had a history of being the first to be tested on vaccinations 
abortions, you name it, since hundreds of years ago, we were guinea pigs. We were lab rats when it came to America testing vaccinations and any other type of medicine on surgeries, you name it. We were the first. So generationally, we have to question what is in this vaccination? Why, what are we putting into our bodies? Right? If, if the government is going to be like, oh, we, we got it. If black Americans are particularly at risk more than any other group in America to, to contract COVID-19, we, they're got to be the first, they got to be the first to be tested on. And you really believe that black America is going to lay on their backs and be like, now that we're informed, majority of us are, not all, not all of us, but majority is going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot that needle in our arm and let's see what happens. The fact that he is shaming black Americans for questioning, not saying, not even denying the shit, but even just questioning, why should we be the first group of people in line to be tested for something that has never been done before in America, particularly given our history in this country. And you're going to compare that to systemic poverty? Really, Ebro? You're comparing us to questioning something that the government is enforcing us to, to participate in and we will not, we're not going to be able to travel. We're not going to be able to get on flights and, and travel overseas if we don't get vaccinated, by the way. That's the talk around the town, okay? You mean to tell me it's bad for us to question why the fuck should we be vaccinated and, and, and also what's in the vaccinations? And you're then going to throw in our faces our everyday fucking struggle that we have to deal with on a regular basis of how healthy we should eat. What's being put in our food? What's being put in our bodies? That's a government issue, not our not a community issue, Ebro. That is a government issue. Why are we locked out from having sustainable income, but also having sustain a sustainable way of eating healthy? And that's affordable based upon the working class, based upon the poverty line, right? And you want to talk about school lunches, but you don't want to talk about the the school to prison pipeline. You don't want to talk about what's, what participates in being in those schools and having those lunches that are quote unquote bad for us. You should direct your energy towards that. What the, what, how do we have control over that? What's in the school lunches? If our parents can't afford to feed us before they take us to school, how do you how do you blame us for our own fucking poverty? How do you blame us for something that is systemic that we have no control over and then bring that up in the middle of something that has to do with the pandemic where you have the government that is literally creating a vaccination to to combat something that we didn't fucking ask for. We didn't ask to have COVID-19, but black Americans are the are the the first group to actually be affected the most out of any other group. So how do you compare the two? You're a fucking ignorant fucking asshole. That is what it is, Ebro. You also called ADOS Russian bots before on Twitter. You called an actual ethnicity Russian bots for demanding reparations because we came out of the woodwork compared, you know, compared to any other time 
up to a couple of years ago. We came out and was like, yo, y'all deserve to get y'all, y'all need to give us what, what is owed. Y'all need to give us our reparations. We started hashtagging ADOS. We came out of people didn't know what the fuck to expect. Right? And now reparations is being talked about more than ever on a consistent basis on online. And and that to me, that's progress. But he called us Russian bots. Same thing with Angela Rye. Angela Rye called us Russian bots because you had ADOS demanding reparations constantly. And all of a sudden we're Russian bots. Like Ebro, you you was a witness for a prosecutor in the case that ultimately got Lil' Kim locked up. You you participate in racist tropes. The same racist tropes that your average racist white person in America loves to repeat. You know, eventually folks like him should be locked out of black culture and, and entertainment. I don't even know why anyone would fucking give Ebro the time of day when it comes to black entertainment. This point, I, I really don't. What what does he have to say that's valuable to our culture that will uplift our culture? Hmm? He doesn't participate in collective uplift. He's not a part of my black community. And I have that right to say that. I have the right to say that as an American descent of slavery. He does not represent my people. He does not, he does not represent my lineage at all. If anything, he's a disappointment to his father. If his father actually was a part of the Black Panther Party, he's a disgrace to that because he doesn't even understand the basic fundamental aspect of economics when it comes to the Black American community. He doesn't. When she got on, when she was interviewed by you, she was trying to tell you the basic shit and you, you tap dancing around what the hell she was talking about. You know exactly what she was talking about when she mentioned reparations. You just don't get it. You don't care to. Because you, as long as you, as long as you have your white protection, You'll be fine. But you want to dibble dab into black American culture about fucking economics? You want to pretty much blame us for our own, you want to blame us for our oppression. How do you do that? How do you get from that of talking about black culture for a living on a radio show to then going from that to that back and forth? It's, it's constant. It's constant with this, with this dude, you know? And he was like, somebody said, have you and your family take it first? Fuck out of here. And then he was like, nah, we good. We stopped dying from bad food, prison, and trauma. We'll wait. You still eating gas station hot dogs. Is he serious? Nah, we good. Who's we? Your Jewish side of your family? Of course y'all good. Of course y'all good. Your white side? Yeah, y'all y'all would be good. But you, but ask a black American if they're good. No, the fuck that we're not. We're not good. Clearly. I talk about data all the time on my platform in regards to where black Americans are systemically in this country. So we're definitely not good when it comes to food, bad food, prison, and trauma, right? That This is an ongoing thing. This ain't going away anytime soon. So... When you say we're good, we stop dying from bad food, prison, and trauma. You're not talking about black Americans. You're talking about white people. You're talking about your white side. So this is a clear indication of where his mindset is and who he identifies as. He identifies as being black when it's convenient. Biracial people. Let me tell you this, okay? You are biracial, and that's as far as it goes. You are not black. 
You are not white. You are biracial. You can pick and choose any side is convenient whenever is is whenever it, it benefits you, whenever it benefits the circumstances, whenever it benefits a conversation, whenever it benefits economics, whenever it benefits what side you quote unquote identify more about, etc. You have two races that are equally back to back the same. My black ass don't. That is the difference. So when you say you're biracial and then you're like, I'm black. No, 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 no. You are biracial. Race is a social construct in America. You can be just as much black as you are just as much white on your white side. So we want to know, are you an agent? Or are you literally about that life? Ebro, you are not about that life. Okay. You defended someone who was responsible for a black young man being beaten by bats and shot by a mob. And you protected him because you felt like you didn't have the voice to fucking get him fired. According to hiphopwired.com, Hot 97 executive Patty Duke fired over connection to Yusuf Hawkins' murder. Patty Duke, real name, Pascal, Rachucci was among an angry mob of white youth who attacked Hawkins in Bensonhurst, which was a black young man who literally was only 16 years old when an angry mob of Italian-American youth shot and killed him in Brooklyn in 1989 on the anniversary of his death This past Sunday, August 23rd, all right, this was a few months ago, Pod 97 fired executive Patty Duke after it was revealed he was among the mob that carried out the crime against Hawkins. Hot 97, right, through Twitter account, announced the firing of Patty Duke after it was revealed that he was a member of the 10 to 30 reported white youth that attacked Hawkins that day. The connection was made through the HBO documentary, Yusuf Hawkins, Storm Over Brooklyn. That's the name of the documentary, y'all. And apparently, Hot 97 did not know that he was a member of the mob and promptly let him go. That is bullshit. Bullshit! How do they not know that? How do they not know that? But I know one thing Ebro knew. He sure did. I'll get into that. Hold on, let me finish. After watching HBO's Storm Over Brooklyn, Hot 97 was shocked and took swift action. Patty Duke is no longer employed by Hot 97, but is he arrested though? Did he get charges though? Is he in a, a, a cell right now? Is he in a cell right now? That will show me if it was really about, if they were really about that life, right? I'm talking about the police department in New York, Brooklyn. Why is he, is he literally locked up? Let me finish. The March for Social Justice continues. According to him, LinkedIn page, according to his LinkedIn page, he began working for Hot 97's parent company, MS Communications in 1994 and held the title of commercial production director. He was 19 when he and the mob attacked 
Hawkins, who was in Brooklyn to check out a used vehicle. Dallas Penn was one of the early voices to call out him and his questionable past through social media and has continued to rail against Hot 97. Dallas Penn said on his Twitter account, August 23rd, 2020 at 2.37 p.m., he said, this dude, Pascal Rachi, Rachi, whatever, however you say his name, okay, his real name, spent a quarter century eating lovely from hip hop after chasing a black kid down as part of a lunch, a lynch mob. We could have been given the story of Paul Pasquale instead of folks, we, Patty Duke. Fuck Hot 97 for snatching this win from the people and firing their long time. 26 years he's been employed. Patty Duke has been employed for 26 years with Hot 97 after that whole situation. They chased that young man down with bats before he was shot and killed in the street. And Ebro knew about it. He didn't complain not once and snitched on this dude and say, hey, this white man is a part of a lynch mob that that is accountable for taking the life of a young black 16-year-old man in the street of Brooklyn. He worked beside this man for that for for, for years. How is he a part of our culture again? How is he any different than a white supremacist? How is he any different than a typical white man that knew some shit and didn't say anything about it and was complicit to being a part of working beside this man, making money off of the same culture that was stolen from a young 16-year-old black man in the street? How is he a part of our culture again? How is he any different? If it was a white man... We will all feel some type of way, right? If Ebro was 100% white, we would feel some type of way. But since he got a little black in him, he got a little tan, then we're like, oh, it's all right. I just found this shit out yesterday. And I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted that he didn't say anything anything to the radio station about this man's activity because that man confided in Ebro about that shit. And Ebro was like, even if he said, you know what, to to him, even if he said to Patty Duke, I don't believe you, he still could have he still could have told on him. He still could have been like, no, nah, this man doesn't have the fucking right to, to capitalize off of black culture after being involved in taking a black man in the fucking street not even a black man a black boy he was 16 in the street of brooklyn a whole bunch of them came out swinging backs at this man and then someone decided to shoot him and he was able to capitalize that long 26 years without fucking being held accountable for that and in 2020, you want to come out and say this shit about school lunches and $2 uh, Chinese uh, chicken wings at the spot and how we're questioning like the vaccinations of black Americans and what's being put into that shit. You are a freaking disgrace. You are disgusting, Ebro. You should not have, you should not be able to see the day of light in Brooklyn. You should not be able to see the, see the day of light or the nighttime when this, when the sun is dropping down in the city. You should not be able to step on the sidewalk of Brooklyn after this. 
You should never be able to participate in anything that pertains to black American history, entertainment, music, videos, artists. You should not be able to actually have any arena, any, any, any proximity to what the hell we got going on over here. You are disgusting. You should be canceled. If anybody wants to participate in cancellation, this is a man that you should, you should participate in. This is a man that y'all should really hold up to that standard. Uh, we don't tolerate this mess. He's not a part of the masses. He doesn't have that right. His rights to entertain or, or be involved in black entertainment should be revoked immediately. Immediately. Fuck Ebro forever. And I truly, genuinely mean that at the bottom of my heart. This man, if he dies tomorrow, I wouldn't give two shits about it. Not one. I would sleep peacefully at night. You're no different, my dude. You're no different for this shit. You are disgusting for keeping that in. Are you serious? It's like, how worse can it be? How worse can we literally fucking tolerate this shit? Why are we tolerating this? Why are we letting people that are not black Americans capitalize off of our fucking struggle, our blood on a cement, the cold cement on these streets and allowing the same people that actually contributed to the deaths of black men and black women work beside us and say, oh, I didn't think they would take my word. I didn't think they would believe me. I didn't think, you didn't even try, Ebro. You didn't even try to get rid of them. But that white dollar counts, doesn't it? That white viewership counts, doesn't it? It matters to your life. You're a sellout. You're a disgrace. You're disgusting. And any other black person in this country that has worked their ass off to be where they are, and you're one of those fucking rats that try to deteriorate their fucking success and their livelihood, that's who you are. You chew at the bottom of the corner of a wall to get through the next fucking unit. That's who you are to get another fucking snack, a different snack, maybe a better snack in the next unit over in the projects. You're a rat. You're on the ground. You're, be you're beneath the fucking ground. You're disgusting, Ebro. Whether you believe it or not, you are a disgrace. You're irrelevant. It's giving me very much of when Janelle Monet, and I, that's the crazy thing is I still like Janelle Monet, but she's ignorant. She is. A lot of us are. So I'm not going to cancel her because she just simply doesn't know any better necessarily, but she does have privilege because she participates in the, the cool kids club with the, the, the foreigners that are in Hollywood, the Cynthia Revos and them. So she, she already anchored herself into a group of people. And when you have to do that, you're going to dish your own people in the process because people like Cynthia Revo and them don't give a fuck about black American culture or black Americans, let alone. So if you're a black American, likes um, if you're a black American, like Janelle Monet, you're going to be wherever the fuck you need to be popular because Janelle Monet's music is not universal. Her music has to be you know, 
played for people that have an acquired taste when it comes to music. And I'm one of those people. I do like her music. I do. Not all of her music, but when she really hits it, she hits it. So anyways, when she said that shit about black Americans waiting in line at Popeye's for the chicken sandwiches when that shit came out, instead of waiting in line to vote, that's exactly what the time I knew that celebrity culture was fucking trash. Even on the side of black American celebrities. That's what I knew. I was like, y'all really drinking the juice? Y'all are really drinking that fucking white supremacist juice? Because is it a black person or is it a white supremacist? Is it interchangeable at this point? It has to be because no black American person that is well into the fucking experience of our culture on the working class or middle class perspective that's making less than 500,000 or even making less than $25,000 a household with two people in that bitch, because that's the average in America for black Americans, by the way, we don't make a lot of money by the way. So when you, when you project that energy into the universe and you say this shit on public forums that black Americans should be in line to vote instead of waiting in line to eat a Popeye's chicken sandwich instead and fighting over that shit, what you're doing is you're engaging in white supremacy ideology. What you're doing is you're saying us Negroes need to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and do better. Knowing damn well that voter oppression exists. Knowing that we can't keep giving our votes to fucking primaries, et cetera, or the Democratic Party if we don't get anything in exchange, right? Our voting is transactional. I said this before. I said this before. I said, Black Americans have to stop giving our vote away just because someone is telling us to. We have to actually demand for what is rightfully owed to us. We cannot just vote just because the Democratic Party says to. We have to demand, what are you going to do for us specifically? Because the Democratic Party has specific tangibles for other groups of people outside of us, but yet we we are the majority that votes for them. And time and time again, for the past 55 years, about to be 60 at this point, we are constantly being the burnt end of the stick. We are constantly the top first slice of the bread when you open that bitch up. When you open the loaf of bread up, we skip the first slice because we don't like that first slice. That's who we are. We are the first and the last slice of a loaf of bread. That's black American culture. That's black American people. And everything in between that loaf of bread is white people, people of color, and immigrants, and non-black people of color. And we're going to keep being the first and the last slice to be eaten. Plus it calls for a very, you know, desperate time where we can't get to the store, but we, we want that sandwich after smoking that blunt. We need something to, to fill our stomachs up. So we're going to take them, lice, them last two slices of bread that was the first and the last in the, in the loaf, and we're going to make a sandwich out of that bitch, even though we don't want it. But that's the only thing we have. That is us. And that's how we allow people to treat us. The first and the last fucking slice of bread in a loaf. You want to please the white audience. You want to, you want to please your white, your, your white audience. You want white acceptance. That's exactly what the fuck you're looking for, Ebro. Just say that. Leave our shit alone. Azealia Banks put your ass in place. You motherfuckers are everywhere. What did Azealia Banks say when she said that shit on the, the um, Hot 97 interview when Ebro um, interviewed her? Yeah, because I'm fucking everywhere. Like, I don't want to share this with y'all. 
I'm tired of us having to share our shit with y'all. Like, I'm tired of us having to, like, explain ourselves. I'm tired of us having to fucking explain our passion and why we're upset and why we're angry and why we feel the need to fucking express ourselves in this manner where we're constantly gaslighted that we need to chill. We need to calm down. We're too upset. We're too angry. We're too invested. We're too invested in our own fucking identity. How does that make sense? How is someone too invested into their own identity and their existence in this country, particularly because like I said, black Americans have a different experience than any other black person in the diaspora because we're constantly faced with fucking white supremacy. So I'm trying to understand. I'm not upset, but I'm fucking passionate. I'm trying to understand how is it that you have people like Ebro and Rosemary, whatever the fuck his name is, his partner on the show, how do they have the, the right to contradict how black people should fucking feel or express themselves about their own shit? When you're the same people that fucking sit over here and try to entertain and appease a white audience and your white bosses, Charlemagne the God and them, this is exactly why I don't fucking do music. It's exactly why I would never fucking work in music and why I would stay in filming and any other fucking uh, outlet that I can reach. Painting, I don't give a fuck. But music is not a fucking outlet that I want to fucking reach towards. I do not want to work in that industry. Because I know how fucking shysty it is. I know how troubling it is. So the fact that you have these white men, because that's exactly what Ebro is to me at this point. He's on that white side. He's not on the black side. He's biracial. He's divided, right? So you already picked and chose who the fuck you're gearing towards in regards of rhetoric. And, it, and, it's, and it's literally fucking stepping on the black community. And it ain't right. Vlad TV, no black artist or black celebrity should even sit down with that man. I don't even know why you have people that are sitting down with Vlad in 2020. I really don't. That is very mind boggling to me, but people are doing it. A white man that interviews black people and non-black people of color about black culture and capitalize off of that shit while also exposing us and exploiting our fucking shit by feeding our shit to the feds because the feds typically watch Vlad interviews when it comes to black artists, especially the, uh, the, the rap artists of our generation, you know, the troubled ones that are always getting into some shit. Yes, they need to be held accountable, but also we already know what time it is. We already know that the feds are looking at Vlad TV to get the fucking information at school because he asks specific questions towards these black rappers that typically give themselves away whether they realize it or not keyword whether they realize that shit or not they're giving away information that will go against their own good that will help the case of the prosecutors that are seeking after their asses pertaining to drug use scamming you name it gang violence, whatever. Vlad, he knows this shit. He knows it. He's going to get it cut. He's going to get it cut after that shit because he's white. That's, that's it. That's all. That's all she wrote. 
And that shows you right then and there that a lot of black artists don't have a voice of their own. They have to fall in line with the formula to keep themselves relevant. They don't have a lot of balls. They don't have the balls that Azalea Banks has. Rebelling, rebelling against white supremacy, rebelling against white patriarchy, rebelling against whiteness, period. Whenever it comes to dismantling their fucking freedom in the worst way possible. So Don Richard from Danity Kane knew exactly what, the, what time it was. She's from New Orleans. I believe she's a first generation immigrant. So I'm trying to understand how Ebro became so fucking huge. That is what, that's my, that's my research right now. I'm trying to understand how he became as big as he is for someone that has so much problematic, that has so many problematic views towards the black American community. I'm just trying to understand. We welcome black Americans. We welcome everybody in and that needs to stop. That needs to end. We have to stop welcoming everybody in our fucking circle. Which is why we don't have shit. Which is why we don't have our own major platforms. We have the shade room. Azalea Banks cussed out the shade room. Let me read what the fuck she had to say. Because that, that's very important. If I had the time to insert a clip of what I said in regards to why I, I unfollowed the shade room about three or four years ago. I would say three years ago. Yeah, about three years ago, going on three years ago, I would have I would have been, you know, laid out exactly my reasoning if I had a podcast back then. But I didn't follow the shade room and I blocked the shade room three years ago because I realized that the platform was just nothing but a toxic ass mess. And it had nothing but toxic black and non-black people in the comments that were constantly, it was like, it was their job. It was like, as if they were being paid to just skew all different types of ignorant shit about the black American community, whether, whether it was, you know, our culture, individuals, or a group collective, the shade room has some negative shit to say in regards of our culture, music, entertainment, economics, politics, you name it. They had something bad to say, and I never understood why. I'm like, why is this platform that's ran by black people? I assumed they were black American because they they quote unquote that's all they talked about was black American typically. And then not that long ago, I realized I was like, wow, oh my goodness, this person that's running this page is actually Nigerian. And I'm like, what how? You have foreigners running the shade room. Not black Americans talking about, because they talk about black American culture. They don't have black Americans running that shit. They have foreigners running that shit. And the founder is Nigerian. So let me talk about what Azalea Banks said in regards to how trash the shade room is. So someone said, I just knew the shade room was going to post a picture of you. Love you. Stay strong and come back stronger again. Because Azalea Banks had posted something on her page where it was a picture, she has her, she shaved all her hair off. She looks gorgeous, by the way. And she has like, I'm, I'm not, I'm assuming it's not real blood. So she has blood dripping down her face, which I'm assuming is like, you know, a new version of herself reborn, similar to SZA hit different video when she had all that blood on her and she was sitting in the barn with animals and shit, you know, symbolic. 
of something that is that's about to be new. We know that anyone with common sense will even Google what the fuck that means, or even ask Azalea Banks, "Why do you have blood dripping on your face with a shaved bald head?" Typically, when women, specifically black women, shave their heads, is because they're they're starting over again. Something traumatic happened in their lives. They want to start all over again. They want to shave off whatever traumatic situation that they attached their hair with, whether it's weaves or you know they growing their hair out from a perm. Whatever the case is. It's something new, right? You're you're being reborn again in a, in, a, in a different perspective of yourself as a woman, as a black woman. I've shaved my head twice. And typically it was during stages of my life that I wanted to start all over again. So Azalea Banks responded and she said, the shade room is run by a Nigerian woman who was more obsessed with denigrating black Americans than doing anything with her platform to bring light to the issues like SARS and Boko Haram that plague her home country. Sure, blacks have issues here, but the situation in Nigeria is dire. She doesn't have the courage to fight for her own. Now, see... I'm starting to notice people are calling Nigerian Americans out, even uh, Caribbean Americans out for not participating in the same rhetoric of, you know, we're going to talk about black American culture, but we're not going to talk about our issues back at home because we run away from our issues back at home for a better life here in America. So we don't really have anything to do with it. Jesse Wu, I'm talking to you, a Haitian American first generation immigrant. I have... Plenty of things to say about Jessie Wu, but she's not on my roster tonight. So we're moving along. Azalea Banks continues to say, sure, blacks have issues here, but the situation in Nigeria is, is dire. She doesn't have the courage to fight for her own. She uses black American media to distract herself from how politically incapable Sue tr- truly is. She is a useless pig. Why does anyone give a fuck what her fat ass to say has to say about us? Now, I'm not for fat shaming, so I don't agree with that part. But this is what she said. Laugh my ass off. African-Americans are far fearing, far better, and she wants to be one of us so bad it's comical. I don't believe anyone is above anyone. I'm going to put that out there. That's just my side commentary. I couldn't be of Nigerian descent and ignore the fact that China is funding Boko Haram and other groups to terrorize Nigeria and its citizens while I sit back in my gluttony gorging on poisonous American food supply, shout out to Ebro, (laughs) while my people die on sacred land. That was literally like, y'all get it. Um, She's a useless pig. That's what she says. Now, I've been I've been talking about how foreigners been capitalizing off of black American culture for a very long time now. I've been saying it. And even the the girl that runs the shave room, that's Nigerian, she even came out and said, "I really don't know much about black American culture because she was called out in regards to saying something offensive towards I forget what it was it was I think it was a black American artist and that was really popular 
But she's, I think it was like when Aretha Franklin died or something like that. But Lovey, y'all know who that girl is, another Nigerian foreigner who spoke a, very ill on Black American culture and Black Americans' experience and Black Americans' period, along with Cynthia Revo. Those people literally have went out of their way to do it while capitalizing off of our shit. Literally, like they, their whole income in their existence in America has to do with black American, has to do with black American culture. So it's very baffling to me that you can disrespect those same people that you're capitalizing off of. Does that not sound like a white supremacist to me? To, like, to me, that's a white supremacist. I don't give a fuck what your race is. Your, your, how much melanin is in your skin is irrelevant. I want to know if you actually participate in practicing the same shit that white supremacists do with white skin. You're no different. Foreigners, even locals, even my local black Americans, if you participate in white supremacy ideology, you're not part of my people. You will be left alone individually on your fucking own because I'm about collective. I'm about uplifting my collectives. That's what I'm about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about individuality. I'm not about individual uh, prosperity and individual, you know, capitalism. I'm not about that shit. So I like the fact that Azalea Banks actually finally one celebrity that was able to call out the shade room in regards of appropriating my fucking culture, our culture, black Americans culture and making money and profit off of that shit while fucking disrespecting us in the process. They're not exposing the greatest parts of our culture and our lineage and our history. They, they're talking about news and ignorant fucking uh, socialites and shit like that. That don't represent the majority of black Americans in this country. Talk about what actually black Americans are going through. If you're going to do the shit right. Or I'll stop talking about our shit and let's see how far your fucking page gets when you're talking about Nigerian culture. It's not going to, you're not going to interest everybody else because American code, black American culture is where it's at. So we already know that black Americans are the, the number one consumers in America. We're going to eat that shit up. So if you're going to do something, where you want to make money off of culture, ours is not it. E all these, all these people, Ebro, all of them, stop touching our shit. If you're gonna disrespect us in the process, leave our shit alone, and don't get mad when we actually call you call call you out on it. We're calling y'all out, and y'all getting mad about it, and y'all calling us divisive and all this other crazy shit. How you're disrespecting us first, and we can't fucking defend ourselves? The Shade Room is trash. I don't know why any black American is following the Shade Room. Is it that serious? I don't care who's listening to this. Is it that serious? Let it go. Let them go. They're not doing a service to you. You are conditioned if you are still following the Shade Room. They are trash. They are disrespectful. They are ignorant. They are capitalizing off of our fucking experience and trauma in this country and our downfall in this country and why we are where we are in this country. And they're capitalizing that shit, gleeing off of that shit while you over here clicking on their page every five fucking minutes. Get off of it. 
Get a life. There's other shit to focus on than the shade room. I don't care what celebrity news you get your shit from, but the shade room is not it. Do better. Let it go. They are the worst platform you can fucking entertain yourself with. I promise you. World star hip hop as well. All of them are benefiting off of black American trauma and experiences. And y'all gleefully clicking away to make sure that they get money in their pockets from it. I don't understand it. Get out of it. And really, Ebro, I'm going to wrap this up with his ass. But when he was like, really, everyone should question everything. And in that spirit, I question why you would take public school food and $2 wings as comparison to a vaccine. You should probably drink more water. So he's also one of them idiots that like to gaslight and make it seem like, you know, what I said wasn't exactly what the fuck I said and it wasn't what I meant. And what you're comprehending from my tweet is irrelevant to what the hell I actually thought I said. But in reality, I know what I said, but you guys caught on to what I said. So I'm going to switch things up and make y'all feel stupid because I don't know what the hell accountability means. I don't know what it means to actually bite my words and bite my tongue and actually apologize and realize I said some fucked up shit in the moment. I don't know what that means to take accountability, but what I do know is how to project and protect my complexion. What I do know is how I can make y'all feel the ignorant Negroes that y'all are and actually contribute to exactly what the fuck my intention was, was to make y'all feel stupid and ignorant and dumb and, and, and hungry and, and low income and, and fucking a disgrace to the black culture as being poor. And I'm going to blame y'all for it. And how dare you question me and my rhetoric, my white supremacist rhetoric, and make me feel like I'm wrong. How dare you? So what I'm going to do is make y'all feel like y'all misread my tweet, misread what the fuck I meant, and make it seem like I don't have any form of accountability for the trash shit that I put out to the universe. I'm going to make it seem like y'all ignorant Negroes are just fucking dumb. I'm going to make it seem like I didn't say what the fuck I said even though it's right there, but y'all, y'all comprehended exactly what the fuck I said, but y'all still stupid. That's, that's what Ebro is on. Ebro's a narcissist. Ebro is no different than Charlamagne the God when it comes to that type of shit. Cause Charlamagne the God does the same bullshit and everyone already caught up to it. Anyone that has any, an ounce of common sense knows exactly what the fuck that means. Mecca said, that sounds like proje- um, projection. He said, who suggested that? Everyone ate public school food. So now everyone ate it. Now everybody ate the shit. But you were just shaming people for eating the shit. So which one is it? Who's everybody? Be more specific, Ebro. You're on Twitter. You know better. You've been on there for a very long time now. You already know how comprehension works on Twitter. What the fuck do you mean? Who's they? Who's everyone? Everyone ate public school food. Shit was bomb. Are you talking about white people, Hispanics? Who are you talking about when it comes to everyone ate public schools? And, and public schools is literally, depending on what borough, what PS, because I know New York does PS, all that other stuff when it comes to the school system, public school system, which PS are you talking about? Which borough are you talking about? 
You're talking about black people, my dude. You know what you're doing. Come on. You know exactly what you're doing. $2 chicken wings. White people don't know about that shit. They don't know about that and until recently when they started gentrifying Kate, when they started gentrifying everything in the fucking hood. That's the only time they actually understood what it meant to be paying for only $2 for two pieces of chicken wings. Okay? Stop. And then he's going to be like, you're tripping to that person I mentioned him. No, you're gaslighting, my dude. You're gaslighting. You don't know how to hold yourself up. You don't know how to stand in your shit. You're trash. If anything, at least stand in your shit. At least stand in your ignorance. That's the least you can do because you already put it out there. So at least stand in it. Don't backpedal and pussy pop. Stand in that shit. Right? You're dumb. You're ignorant. And let me tell you something. BBC News, right? September 11th, 2020, literally wrote an article how why black Americans are more likely to be vegan. Black Americans are almost three times, three Three times as likely to be vegan and vegetarian than any other American. So how the hell is it that you you literally focus on us as being this ignorant group of black folks in the hood that just eat fucking fried chicken at Chinese spots for $2 and eat public lunch meals? Where How I grew up, I wasn't even able to fucking eat public lunch meals. I had to pay. I couldn't even qualify for that shit because I was in foster care. And also, I didn't qualify for that shit because I lived with my aunt and uncle, right? And depending on their, your inco- their income of their household, it was depending on me. So I'm trying to literally wrap my mind around this shit, how he came to talk about economics of the black American community and don't know shit about it. Allow and then project when he's checked about that shit from black Americans that live that life every day. Now you, now you realize that we're calling your ass out and you want to backpedal and gaslight us like we're fuck, like we misread what the fuck you said. You're an idiot. You're an imbecile. You lack chromosomes. You're a disgrace, like I said, and I'm moving the fuck on. Fuck you, Ebro. Don't ever fucking talk about my people. Don't ever talk about my culture because I'm going to be at you. I'm going to be after your neck every fucking single time. Period. I'm not done on this platform. I'm going after him. Period. On all platforms in every way possible. I'm making my fucking stance known. Stop supporting Ebro Hot 97 in New York. Stop supporting that station. Period. Now moving on the Jada Pinkett Smith, we really have to stop providing platforms to people that literally don't need it. And by that, I mean Jada, girl. <laughs> all right. So recently on the Red Table Talk, which we all know to be Jada Pinkett Smith and her daughter, Will Smith, and her mom is typically on the show sometimes, but a recent episode that she's getting hell for, and, and rightfully so, she interviewed Lori Laughlin's daughter, Olivia Jade, on Becky from Full House, her daughter, who participated in the scam. Y'all know the scam. And that scam, you know, was the college admissions scandal in which Lori paid for Olivia to attend a university. And rather than her earning her admissions 
she was able to gain admissions through false pretense and through fraud. So Jada Pinkett Smith had decided to just, I don't know, give her platform up to this young white lady who decided that, you know, she had to clear the air on her behalf. But we all know that, you know, she knew. She knew her mother, Lori, and her her father were involved in making sure that her daughter got into a school that she clearly didn't care to get into because she even admitted it. She said, I don't even want to learn. I didn't I didn't care to learn. I just want to make YouTube videos and be a beauty guru and just be popular. And oh my God, it's just too much. Ugh. <laughs> so according to CNN, uh Laughlin and Gianni Gianni Lee, I'm assuming that's her dad, admitted to paying William Rick Singer five hundred thousand dollars to help get their two daughters. Yeah, so that's her father. Um, admitted to the University of Southern California. The parents pleaded guilty to conspiracy charges earlier this year. So the parents began serving a five-month sentence, well, her father has, um, at the federal correctional complex Lumpok last month. And Laughlin, who was serving a two-month prison sentence, um, a federal correctional institution in Dublin, California is scheduled for release in a few weeks. It's been so hard for anybody, no matter what the situation situation is, you don't want to see your parents go to prison, but also I think it's necessary for us to move on and move forward, said Olivia, who goes by her first and middle names professionally. What happened was wrong, and I think every single person in my family could look at it and be like, that was messed up. That was a big mistake. But I think what's so important to me is to learn from the mistake. Girl, you're not going to learn from your mistake because you're going to always have privilege. You're, you're not, there's no consequences for you. That's, I'm going to get into it. But I just want to make that clear as I'm reading her quote because it's like, what are you saying? Yeah, there's humiliation. You know, you're humiliated. But other than that, girl, you'll be fine. So she continues on to say, not to be shamed and punished and never given a second chance. I'm 21. I feel like I deserve a second chance to redeem myself to show I've grown. How you, you, you this just happened not that long ago. You're, you're a grown woman. You're 21. What do you mean? <laughs> what? What? So she, she added that she hasn't spoken to her parents recently due to COVID-19 protocols. Olivia revealed that when she was applying to colleges, she wasn't fully aware of what was going on. I love how that's in quotation marks. <laughs> CNN ain't shit. <laughs> oh, shit. They put that shit in quotation marks because we all know that she knew. Come on. And had been living a bubble in a bubble where paying a college, college recruiter was the norm. Paying a college recruiter for $500,000? Girl, bye. She says, when it first happened, I didn't look at it and say, oh my God, like how dare we do this? I was like, why is everybody complaining? I was confused what we did. That's embarrassing to admit. Yeah, because you have privilege. You don't care. You don't, you don't live the real world that a lot of other people do when it comes to admissions. People that are applying for colleges, 
from high school know exactly what's going on because they have to be included. They have to be aware. They have to go to their advisors and stuff like that and sit down and go through the process, et cetera. But when you have rich parents, you either feel like I don't care or I do know what's going on and still don't care or, you know, this is just what rich people do. It doesn't have to be morally correct, but it's just what we do. You know, that either way, I'm glad you understand that it is embarrassing to admit. <laughs> um, adding that she was a good high school student, but didn't deserve to be at USC. Well, I'm glad she knows that. I wasn't slacking in high school. I don't want to discredit myself to the point where I was like, I have all of this and I also didn't care. I really did care. I was also a very involved student. I think I put a lot of trust into a person that claimed their profession was college counseling and it led me in the wrong direction. It's not to shift blame. It's just to explain that I wasn't aware of what was going on. She added that she is now working with the inner city youth. Oh God, here we go. And plans to continue working with underprivileged kids going forward. And how are you doing that, sweetheart? Hmm. How are you doing that? Underprivileged kids. What do you, what? And let me tell you something. There's always going to be that one person that's going to be like, oh, but at least she's doing something. At least she's doing something. Yeah, but not enough where we're like, we should care enough to give her a platform to talk about it, right? Show up, do the work, you know, come back into society as a right citizen that knows right from wrong and just do the work. Why we, why, but I don't care. Like a lot of us don't, right? A lot of us don't care that you're going back into society to help the less fortunate because you didn't give a fuck when you took the missions, Right. So now that everything's blown up, that's always the case. Now everything's blown up. Now you care to like actually understand where people are coming from that don't have the same privilege as you when it comes to being accepted into other schools, such as USC, right? So one thing I do like is the fact that Jada's mom, um, I believe her name's Adrian, doesn't care what the hell Olivia had to say, okay? She doesn't care. So Adrian, um, Jada's mom, was like, I just found it really ironic that she chose three black women to reach out to for her redemption story. I feel like here we are, a white woman coming to black women for support when we don't get the same from them. It's bothersome to me on so many levels. Her being here is the epitome of white privilege to me. Yes come through Jada mom. Jada, on the other hand, didn't feel that way. I'm glad that that was put out there because to me, black women are always looked at as a savior. We're always looked at like, even though we're the ones that are the most oppressed, for some reason, white women still look at us as their savior to take them out of situations when we're not given the same platform, when we're not given the same opportunities, when we're not given the same you know, perspective or right to be like, y'all should be able to forgive me because it was just simply a mistake. Or y'all should be able to forgive me because I didn't know. Or y'all should be able to forgive me because society has beat me down as a black woman. Anyway, we don't take any tropes. We don't make excuses, right? We just don't have the platforms to give our voices and our perspective of what we've been trying to do to get through, right? She's privileged. Okay. Olivia Jade is privileged. She doesn't need 
anybody to give her a platform for anything because she's going to be fine regardless. We already know that. You know, it's, it almost reminds me of how people were like, when you have white students that are in schools and cut up and are, you know, known for being racist or saying some racist things online, they're expelled or, you know, the school particularly will let them know like, hey, you're not getting into that college or a college will, you know, debunk them from attending their schools because of the racist thing they say online. And you got white folks that are like, oh my God, my life is over. Oh my God, this is not fair. Oh my God, I can change. Oh my goodness, boo-hoo me. I'm a child. I'm innocent. No, you're 18. You're an adult legally now. Olivia, you're 21. You're an adult legally now. So you're still going to be fine. Even if you don't get into the college you want to get into, even if you're expelled from high school, even if you you know, do some messed up stuff online, say some ignorant, racist stuff online, and you actually get the right punishment handed to you, sometimes not enough punishment, but you still get something and you still complain and moan and bitch about how you're human and people make mistakes. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that, right? Because we don't get the same treatment. You want to know the treatment that black students get? We get the school to prison pipeline. We get put into classes that literally insult our intelligence. Like we are ignored in classes. We are given harsher punishments. We are get, we're suspended at a crazier rate than white students are for the same type of shit. And yet you want to sit here and make it seem like, you know, my life is just so complicated. It's just so hard. It's so hard. So let me, let me bring up a story here before I get into Jada and Willow. Because Willow was looking like a mammy, all right? Trying to understand. Maybe she does have something in regards to Olivia when it comes to relevance and understanding as being a privileged young lady. But at the same time, you are still black at the end of the day, right? But you do have, in regards of classism, there is relatability there, right? But when it comes to racial discussions, that's a different platform. So it's not shocking that Willow and Jada somehow found empathy towards Olivia, right? But you have to understand that this is not new. None of this is new. You know, the, the mammy coddling the, the, the white girl or the white lady and being like, it's okay, we have an understanding as women. This whole feminism perspective is where it becomes troubling to me personally, because once you just make it about a feminism thing, you, you disregard race and class. You disregard a lot of different uh, things that need to be addressed at that red table. And so I just didn't like that Jada was coddling this girl in a sense where it was kind of like, no, no, no. You have to actually have other black women on the panel as well, Jada, to talk about this, to talk about what it's like for lower class and um, working class black moms who are single moms at that who are trying to better their children's lives by sending them to better schools in different districts and being punished for it. Let's talk about it. According to thehill.com in uh, March 14th, 2019, story of a mother sentenced to jail for enrolling child in different district resurfaced amid college scandal. The story of a black mother who served jail time for using her father's address so her two daughters can enroll at a better school, gained new attention on social media this week. 
as news of a widespread college admissions scandal broke. Now, how do you compare the, a college scandal of a black mom who decided to send her, her kids to a district that would better their future using her father's address, right? Compared to a white woman that literally went out of her way to pay $500,000 to have her child gain admissions to a well-known school such as USC when she didn't even have to. How do you compare the two? I, that, how is that even a scandal? Right? You may not find it okay, but to call it a scandal? Is it really though? You know how many people do that? Let me, let me continue. Kelly Williams Bullard served nine days in jail in 2011 after she was found guilty of using her father's address instead of her own an attempt to have her daughters enroll in a better school district than the Akron, Ohio, one they were stated for. Williams Bullard was also put on probation for three fucking years. Meanwhile, Lori only gets a couple of months. (laughs) Anyways, and required to complete 80 hours of community service. It's overwhelming. I'm exhausted, she said after her sentencing. I did this for them. So there it is. I did this for them. Her story, her story re- resurfaced after more than 40 people were charged in a college enrollment scandal where wealthy parents, including actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, paid thousands of dollars to get their children into elite and highly selective colleges. Several social media Users were quick to point out the discrepancy in media attention paid to Williams Bolar's story compared to that of high-profile Hollywood actresses. Pointed out that Huffman and Laughlin should serve time as jail time as well. Remember Tanya McDowell? She got 12 years for sending her six-year-old son to Norwalk, uh, Connecticut's Brookside Elementary School while she lived in Bridgeport, even though she was homeless. She was convicted of first-degree larceny for stealing an education. Wow. I do remember that, actually. That was the first story I heard. What the? She was sent... Okay, so remember Kelly williams Bollard. She was... She was. This is uh, Bishop Talbert Swan on Twitter. He... I, I like some I like some of his tweets. See, some of them are problematic, but majority of the time he's right on the um the spot when it comes to like justification and, and social justice. But she he he says she was uh convicted of using the wrong residence to get her daughters into a better school district in in Ohio. In, in Ohio, she was sentenced to three years in order to pay thirty thousand dollars to the school district. She has to pay $30,000 to the school district. Meanwhile, Lori paid $500,000 to the fucking school admissions. Ooh-wee. Mm, mm, mm. Chow. Williams Bolar said, I don't think they wanted money. They wanted me to be an example. Mm, that's, that's powerful because that is very true. They use this black woman as an example, like you Negroes better not try to want better education for your children by lying about your address to get better education for your kids, even though that address is because, you know, either you're homeless. So why not? You, you don't have a home. You don't have a district. So does that really count? 
if you're a homeless single mother and you're sending your children to a district within your state or your city limits or whatever have you, is it necessarily stealing education? You're homeless. You don't have an address, right? But even for the other single black mom who used her father's address, her, her, what if she has her kids moving with her father, right? And they went to school. Is it really that, is it, that, that has to be an example. They use these ladies as example. Meanwhile, they use a white, two white women as examples that you'll get a little tap on the wrist if you do some shit like that again. That is insane. And meanwhile, Jada, you didn't even bring this up. You didn't bring up the fact that black women struggle to have their kids get into better schools and not be sentenced the way that, you know, Olivia's mother, you know, Lori was sentenced. The, the same, the inequality here. Why wouldn't you have black moms on your show talking about the same thing? Why would you give the platform to this young white lady and not a platform to actual other black moms who had to go through worse? to have their child have a decent education because they actually wanted an edu a better education, right? Poverty, the school to prison pine blight is real, people. Hello? Jada, you dropped the ball on this one, big time. And a lot of us are looking at you sideways. I mean, a lot of us been looking at you sideways, but a lot of us are definitely looking at you sideways after this, okay? You really wasted your opportunity to give the platform to actual black mothers and even black children that went through the same situation, but got a completely different experience and a different outcome than this white family did. And you want to coddle them? Why didn't you do this before? You have two black mothers that already went through this before Lori did, right? Why didn't you have... Say, you know what, why didn't you think to yourself, actually, I'm sorry, why didn't you think to yourself, you know what, let me, let me bring on, you know, other moms that experienced something differently, um, that experienced something similarly, I'm sorry, and bring them on your show to talk about it and give them a voice and, and talk about the school to prison pipeline and how, you know, we're literally experiencing redlining. You know, we can't send our children to, to better schools. We have to do this in order for us to get our children into good schools. And why is that? Then you can dive into black economics. Then you can dive into all different types of topics that are relevant to the situation that we still struggle with as a black community today. And you decided to bring this girl on your platform for what? Who are you? Who's the audience? Who's the audience? Who is this for? You know, like Jada, read the room, girl. Read the room. I'm so glad that her mom was like, I ain't with this. This is bullshit. This is trash. And there's no reason for us to have brought this girl on this platform. Shout out to you. But Jada, girl, 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 what are you doing? Your red table talk is a joke. Your red table talk is not for black womanhood, right? Your table talk is for whatever, however you get views and clicks in the bag. And that's okay, but don't, don't make it anything other than that. Don't make it seem like you are that girl, right? All you do is nod your head and say, hmm, yeah, mm, wow, okay, yeah. 
oh, wow, I never thought of that way. Oh, you are nobody's expertise. You don't hold a candlelight to Yanla, period. I don't know if you're trying to be the next Oprah. I don't know what your goal is doing this whole red table talk because it doesn't do a service to the black American community. And I know that Jada is not completely black American. Her mom is actually Caribbean, Jamaican, and uh, I forget what the other um, island that her ancestry is from, but she doesn't have lineage on both sides that is from ADOS or American descendants of slavery. So yeah, there is some privilege there. There is. I, I do like Jada, but I don't, I don't appreciate this at all. This is trash to me. This is garbage, actually. This is very insulting. Very insulting to black women, period, period. And I don't know how Jada's going to come back from this in regards of her show. I, I really don't. You know, she's going to have her white viewership, especially after this. But when it comes to actual black women, a lot of black women are pissed right now. Seriously, after her interviewing Olivia, a lot of people are upset. And I don't blame them. I'm upset. Because it just doesn't make any sense. But I don't want to spend any more time on this. Like I said, stop allowing people to just come on your platform because you want to do it for the clicks and baits, but yet pride yourself in being the black woman that cares about the community. Don't do that. Don't. It's not necessary, right? So. Moving along, um, I want to talk about Cassie and Victoria Monet. Congratulations, ladies. You guys are expecting. I'm shocked. I was not expecting Victoria Monet to <laughs> come up pregnant. It looks like she's at least halfway done. You know, she's halfway done baking, girl. She got belly on her. I was like, wait, hold up. Shout out to you. Your man is cute. I, I, I can tell that her and her um, boyfriend are in love. I'm so happy for her. I love me Vic, um, some Victoria Monet and Sierra. Um, Sierra, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cassie, she's expecting her uh, second child with her husband. And I just, I'm just, I, I, I'm happy as hell. Like Cassie literally to me radiates, you know, success. And when I say success, I'm talking about within her heart, her soul, her energy. You know, she she's she has it made. She's living good. She's happy. You know she's genuinely happy. You could tell. She doesn't post just a post on Instagram. She genuinely posts her great moments and when she's happy. And she's I'm happy for her. Genuinely. I really mean that. I'm so happy for the two of these ladies. Um also, G Herbo's girlfriend is expecting. She's about four or five months pregnant. Meanwhile, G Herbo is looking at a sentence. I don't know how that's going to come up, but hey, he missed Ari's uh, baby shower when he was in jail. So it seems to be a pattern here when he's getting these girls knocked up and he has to, you know, serve some time behind the bars. I don't wish that for anybody, but you know, you should not. If you are expecting, why are you doing all of this? Why are you committing fraud and scamming and shit like that? Just do better. You know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing black men, you know, just 
doing the shit. I'm talking about celebrities as well because you're, you, you know, I granted, not a lot of celebrities aren't making money as much as people believe that they are. They're not making a lot, especially these artists. But to rack in a million and a half, two million dollars of theft, and it's just whoa. God, is it that serious to upkeep and maintain your image for people that you don't care about in the end? Is it that serious? You know, I don't get it. But congratulations to the two ladies. Uh, what else is on my roster before I leave? Um, okay, I, I, I totally forgot um, about Cardi B, how Billboard gave her woman of the year. You know, I try not to talk about the girl, but this, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, you know. I mean, Family Guy recently mentioned Cardi B in a brand new episode. I guess, I don't care. She was nominated. I don't know why she was nominated because I don't even know. She only had one song this year. So I don't know exactly how she's the woman of the year. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> she she accepted it from Brianna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer, out of all people, which is even more random. So according to Billboard.com, in a nod to her activism and political involvement, Cardi accepted the night's biggest honor from Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Taylor whose fatal shooting during a police raid in March became one of the catalysts of the renewed Black Lives Matter movement this summer. One of Brianna's most outspoken advocates over the past few months has been Cardi B, Palmer said in her video presentation. Cardi has used her platform to spread the truth about what happened to Brianna and many others, but okay, and to reaffirm that Black women's lives matter. Cardi B's impact reaches far beyond music. That That's why I am so proud of and honored to present Billboard's Woman of the Year Award to Miss Cardi B. But yet you literally just uh, a few days ago mentioned and asked, you know, your regular followers what we thought about an $88,000 purse that you wanted to buy during a pandemic where people like literally have no Roof, roof over their heads or a car or food to eat. You know, people that are struggling during a pandemic, you want to ask us, you know, what the hell we think about you spending $88,000 for a purse? Talk about read the room, right? <laughs> Someone was like, you're asking a bunch of poor motherfuckers in the middle of a pandemic? Ciao. Like, she really asked on December 6th. <laughs> Should I spend $88,000 for this damn purse? And it was fucking ugly. It is ugly. Ugly. Someone was like, can you spend $88,000 on Democrats in the Georgia Senate runoff off of election? That will look even better on you than a purse. Ooh. Mm. Somebody was like that. You would even tweet this during this time when so many people are suffering. Just show how insensitive you become. But this is a girl that was just nominated for woman of the year. Right. Y'all see where y'all see y'all already know. Come on. Anyone with brain cells understand that Cardi B is trash, but that's just what it is. Like this is nothing new. And I will wish for people to stop looking at lighter skin complexion, non-black people of color, non-black, you know, women of color, 
as like their children and then he'd be paddled with the fucking heart and soul on their backs and to be, you know, for, forgiven so easily, you know, fuck all that. Cardi B is just horrible when it comes to shit like this. This is nothing new. I've been telling people about this, but anyways, let me get back to the article. This year when it came to music, I had so many things planned, Cardi said. I had so many projects that I wanted to come out. Unfortunately, due to COVID, I couldn't put out the visuals the way that I wanted. It messed up my creative space. You know, I think everyone this year was just messed up. So I'm just grateful and thankful that the song that I actually did put out this year was WAP featuring Megan Thee Stallion. Not only was it an amazing song that broke so many charts and records, but it was a conversation that I never thought was going to be so big. I mean, it pissed off a whole bunch of Republicans for no reason. You know what I'm saying? She laughed. It was just weird. Cardi also addressed girls out there that are just like me, encouraging them to work harder than they think is possible to make your dreams come true and let the hate fuel their grind. You actually got to put in the work. You got to be ambitious. You got to network. You got to become great at what you do. You got to be able to make criticism, believe it or not, Y'all be saying, I don't take criticism, but yes, I do. That's why when people be like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I practice so I can become better and better. There's hope. There's hope for your dreams. Other women honored at Thursday night's virtual ceremony hosted by Tiana Taylor, including Dua, Dua Lipa, I always fuck up her name, Dua Lipa, Jennifer Lopez, Jesse Reyes, Chloe and Hallie, and Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton? All right, shout out to you, girl as well as executives of the year. And uh, yeah, okay. So I have a few things to talk about that in regards that I'm gonna make it quick because it's Cardi B, right? It's pretty easy to make shit quick with her. Um, first of all, is she, to, in my opinion, woman of the year? Absolutely fucking not. Am I gonna discredit Breonna Taylor's mom? No. Am I going to throw a hissy fit? No, but is is it shocking? No. Is it anything far-fetched from what we typically see in regards of parents that have lost their children due to violence and gun violence, whether it was from the community or police officers or white supremacy? No. But what it does is it just makes me realize that platforms such as Billboard ain't shit and it will never be shit to me. It doesn't get the right calls in regards of who actually is deserving of nominations and awards and recognition when it comes to Black Americans, particularly. Cardi B is not Black to me. I don't care what none of y'all say. Cardi B is not Black. So she's a woman of color. That's as far as I'll take it. She's racially ambiguous. I'll take it. I'll even take that and make it a little bit further step along the way. But when it comes to blackness, no, Cardi B is a performative, woken, you know, woman who performs to be as though she is aware. She's not. When she sat down with Biden, there was not a a chromosome in that girl's uh, cranium when it came to talking about politics and economics in the black community. That girl don't know anything about it. So, it is very weird, yeah, that she is labeled as this activist when she's not. She's not an activist. She's a privileged, performative, 
you know, artist who doesn't write her music to the extent that people love to believe that she does. I'm not going to say that she's never written a song or two for herself, but she definitely is not a writer. Okay. She's definitely not someone that should be looked up to in regards of, you know, being a political, uh, idol, right. In the black community, right. Cause she's not in our community. She participates in our community, but she doesn't belong in our community. I don't care what no one says. This is my platform. I said it and I meant it. So I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the correlate correlation of her being an activist just because she spoke on a few things, but she doesn't know how economics or politics even work. So I don't know how she is political. But anyways, <laughs> that that's as far as I'm going to take it. Cardi B can kiss my ass. I don't care about the girl. I never did. Anyways, moving along. Meek Mill pulled up to the water boys here uh, in Atlanta. And he told a few boys that were selling water on the street to split a $20 bill as he drove up to them in a $300,000 or $400,000 car. And he recorded the, the transaction. And I don't like that. I, I, I mean, y'all know that I wouldn't like no shit like that. Stop fucking, you know, exposing poverty and the struggles of the black community while you're clearly rich enough to afford to drive a $300,000 or $400,000 dollar car. I don't care if it was leased. I don't care if you own it. But in, in, if that's what you want to do, to do, fine. But to record it, to me, is trash. Don't know why. Don't know if it was for insurance purposes, just in case one of them decided to jump your car. Don't know. But either way, it, it's like, for what? Why, why, do you, why did you need to record yourself? And I know people had an issue with the fact that he gave them $20, only $20. And I don't know what was in that man's wallet. I don't know if he only had $20 in cash. For some reason, I will defend him on this part. People think that celebrities carry cash on them at all times. And they typically don't. Someone outside decided to fucking like ram the car. They typically don't. So I don't know why people are upset that he gave them $20 instead of what, 50, 100? How much did y'all expect him to give those boys in cash, right? Unfortunately, these young men put themselves in danger by crossing the streets left and right, you know, near freeways and highways, however you guys call it, wherever you're from, but I say highway. And I don't like to see that. I don't want to see these boys getting hurt or ran over or hit or shot or killed, whatever, in the confrontation. I don't want to see any of this stuff happening because it has happened. So I've seen these water boys here in Atlanta, you know, trying to sell water and whatever. I typically, when they're about to approach my car, the light turns green. So I'd be like, thank God. But I don't mind handing out quarters, you know, a dollar or two, if it's like right there in my glove department or whatever. But I do not want to be harassed. I do not want to have young men swarming my car, tapping on my windows and whatnot. As a young woman in Atlanta, that that's by herself, you know, I, especially at night, I don't want that. But I understand the hustle. So I just wanted to conclude all of that. And I just wanted to say, you teach people how to treat you. You don't have to be strong every time. And, you know, solidarity isn't cheap. 
right? We keep redefining what's allowed based off of being what I like to call us black women, mammies of entertainment. So if we don't allow people to treat us like the mammies that we don't want to be, then we can't feed into the whole fucking rhetoric of being one. I'm talking to you, Jada. I'm talking to you, Willow. I'm talking to black women that are on these major platforms with privilege that continuously put themselves in position of being taken advantage of, knowing damn well that white America and white supremacy don't give a fuck about us. So why the fuck should we? Right? That's exactly what happens. We're like, oh, no one cares about us, so why should we care? Not all, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyways, like I said, teach people how to treat you. That's it. That's all. I just wanted to send a um, a message out to the family and loved ones of Natalie DeSalle, uh, who passed away at 53 years old. We know her for BAPS and the TV show series Eve and Cinderella with Brandy. Um, really unfortunate. I, I, I'm shocked still, you know, like I, I just don't even know what to say about that. But um, wow. Just really unfortunate, really uh, unfortunately, um, 53 years old. Wow. She died in her home in um, Los Angeles. So I'm sending my love and condolences to her loved ones. Also, Thomas, a.k.a. Tommy, Tiny Lister, he died um, yesterday. He passed away. Uh at 62 years old reportedly he experienced COVID symptoms and um in the last few days leading up to his death according to his manager cindy cohen on um, tmz.com i just don't know why we are losing so many people um she says that he was supposed to work on a movie set last weekend, but had to cancel due to his breathing difficulties. And he also canceled a Zoom appearance for a TV festival on Wednesday. That night is when Cohen says friends and family try to call and check on him, but their calls went on unanswered. So it's just like, you know, we, we know him from as Debo from Friday and next Friday, but also he was in the fifth element as well. And he appeared on the dark night. Uh, he voiced the character of Finnick and Zootopia as well. And you could just tell he was a genuine cool freaking guy. Um, and if you didn't know his nickname is off of the irony of being called tiny since he was six, five, which is amazing that they make sure that they put tiny in his name, which is awesome. But, um, just a few months before this, he was warning kids to stay inside during the early days of the pandemic. And from what I'm understanding, he lost his life to the COVID-19, um, it's just unfortunate, you know, I'm starting to see more people like this year alone, either these celebrities, ex particularly exactly just dying from the most unexpected ways possible known to us, whether it's a pandemic, a, a plane crash, or 
some sort or overdose or, you know, it's just sad. And we have, in the opposite, we have celebrities that are uh, getting pregnant and welcoming new life. Well, you have some that are having their lives taken. So very weird uh, year that we have, and I can't wait to close it out and move on to another new year, 2021, but that's not guaranteed that anything will change, right? So we can only just hope and pray that we have a better year. My birthday is coming up next month, January 31st. I look forward to my birthday. I'm looking forward to my birthday weekend though, so because my birthday is on a Sunday. So, you know, that weekend's going to be, it's going to be fun. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. And you'll figure out exactly what I have planned when I get near it. So in the meantime, I just want to say fuck you, Barack Obama. Fuck you in, in regards of constantly having the black American community in your mouth, yet you don't want to do shit for us. All you do is constantly shame us. All you do is just constantly fucking be in the trash ex-president that you are leave us alone no one gives a fuck about your book the ones that actually realize that you didn't do shit for us for those two terms you are not my first black president you are not anything to me or relevant i don't give a fuck leave us alone and find another group to fucking harass and do and fucking degrade and and blame and victim blame find another fucking group how about that right leave us alone that's that, that that's it you already know I don't give a fuck about Barack Obama or Michelle Obama of that matter or Biden or Kamala. Leave us the fuck alone. If you're not going to do anything for us, you already know that they're not because Joe, Joe Biden already fucking made it clear that he's already tired of hearing about the black leaders in a leaked phone call that was recorded. The way he chastised us in that, in that call is disgusting. And anyone that truly still believes that Joe Biden is going to do anything for us or Kamala Harris... Let me fill out a prescription for you to get something at the pharmacy to help you. And I don't mean that in a pessimistic way, but what I mean that is wake up. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all. Wake up. Because I don't I really don't know what else to say at this point. I'm really not trying to be insulting. And if if people take that as an insult, oh well, at this point, I really don't know what else to say. But if you keep believing that this system ever worked for us on a federal level in the black American community. Either you're ignorant, you're a, a white supremacist, you're an agent, or you just simply don't know shit that's going on around you. And that's the sad part about it. But I don't give a fuck about Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. You already know that though, right? I've expressed myself enough on this platform. Anyways, y'all have a safe weekend. Be careful out here. It is getting cold. Make sure you're wearing a coat. I don't want y'all getting sick on top of having COVID-19 happening, etc. Just take care of yourselves, right? And I will do the same. And I'll talk to you guys next week. So be careful. Have a safe weekend. And yeah, peace, love, and happiness. Bye, y'all.